Well, we're going to Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, Robbie was asking on the outline, which one are we covering tonight? I think they put that up on the web, is that right? <laughs> so that people can follow along. And the outline there you follow, you, you've got in the bulletin, the, the, loose, the loose leaf sheet. I'm trying to put it so you know where we are in Ephesians. It gives a big points and then gets down to the point we're at, point nine. Point nine, a captivating discovery. And so we're under our moral relationship as a Christian, a Christian behaviour, and so a captivating discovery find in verse 18. And when he asked that, I said, well, we're only covering that point, <laughs> that one point tonight, because it's, uh, it's there for all and probably part of that point tonight. In verse 18, how to be filled with the spirit this is probably one of those things that is very misunderstood these days because the false false teaching that's been around since about 1900 with the charismatic movement and how to be filled with the spirit the question to start with before we pray is the filling of the spirit that we find in this verse that we are commanded to be the same as the indwelling is the infilling the same as the indwelling. Think of it. Is the indwelling the same as the infilling? Whichever way you want to put those around. When are we indwelt by the Spirit of God? When we get saved. When are we infilled or when do we have the filling of the Spirit? Say when we trust and obey. And that happens many times. Up and down we go. Romans 6 and 7. <laughs> and so that infilling is something we're commanded to do. The indwelling, we believe on the Lord Jesus and he indwells us. And we probably don't even know that. That's doctrine. That's teaching after we get saved. Oh, <laughs> someone's living inside me now. Permanently right through and so the infilling it's um we get all of the spirit but that's indwelling but does he get all of us the infilling um <clears throat> so there's a few thoughts and we're just dwelling on this tonight because it's a confusing subject and uh i mean it's not a confusing subject it's being confused <laughs> let's pray thank you lord for your word and pray that it might be a blessing to us tonight and that we wouldn't learn what it means to be filled with the spirit and as we see these verses it, it it compares it with something that we sit back on our heels and say oh that doesn't sound right but it is so true lord i pray that you would minister to us and to those that are listening in tonight we thank you for them and pray the blessing upon them and lord we pray for those that can't be here that would like to be that aren't well particularly the elderly minister to them physically spiritually lord emotionally all these areas that build them up in their most holy faith we ask and pray your blessing in jesus name amen <clears throat> a captivating discovery if we can get this we can be victorious we won't have to wear our rededicator out <laughs> when we hear an evangelistic sermon or a sermon that really touches us because we will be walking with the Spirit of God and we will be dedicated. 
committed to the Lord. Who has ever seen a, a, an intoxicated person, a drunk person? Ever seen a drunk person? I think we've all seen a drunk person. I pray that we haven't been there. We may have been. We're unsaved and we're adults. We might have gotten there ourselves. But um, we've seen an intoxicated person. How did he become intoxicated? By drinking alcohol, being filled with a spirit. The wrong spirit, of course. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he chose to drink. He chose to start drinking, Brother Gerald. <laughs> he ask Brother Brunken when you get start when did you, when do you start getting drunk the first drink <laughs> that's what Brother Brunken has contended for a long time and uh, and you keep on drinking you choose to do that and become intoxicated as you continue to drink and choose to do that uh, well what happens when this person continues to drink his behaviour changes men who were timid when they were sober become belligerent and pugnacious when they're drunk. Men who had hard as nails when sober, they're sentimental and tearful when drunk. Uh, men who were congenial and friendly when sober, they're remorseful and base sometimes when drunk. Drink turns a moral man into an immoral man and makes they make filthy-minded man sing hymns learned at his mother's knee that he remembers from years ago. Drink turns a man into another person or another kind of person. It distorts his conduct and degrades his conversation. And be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the spirit. You know, we say, well, what a comparison. <laughs> but that's the comparison that is used here. Drink temporarily transforms a person's personality. There is no such thing as permanent intoxication. Well, some people might do that. I was glad to hear the news yesterday. Did you hear that? The news is that Australians are drinking much less now than they used to. In fact, it's gone back to 1960, the amounts that they drink. But when they put the table of up how much they drink, I thought, well, that's, uh, you know, that's a lot of drink still. But they're drinking a lot less than they have been. It's gone down and they gave reasons why. Some people can't afford it. The bills have got higher, things of that nature. And, and, and some said, well, I've got a family and I'm responsible now. And they had all these little quotes from people. But these people know that it affects them, changes them. The man who was drunk on Saturday night is sober with a headache on Sunday morning. If he wants to remain intoxicated, he needs another filling. Well, not, not, not recommended, but that's what he'd have to do. And over the course of a long run, drunkenness deteriorates and destroys the person's body. It destroys them mentally. It destroys them financially. It destroys their family. So we're not recommending it at all, but it destroys their character. But being intoxicated illustrates in reverse being filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to a deliberate choice. In Ephesians 5.18 that we've just read, Paul said, Be filled. Most of the Holy Spirit's ministry to believers is a, or are once for all acts of a sovereign God. The indwelling of the Spirit, once for all, at salvation. The baptism of the Spirit 
the Spirit into Christ. Romans chapter 6, the first few verses there, and 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Uh, uh, Romans chapter 8. Unless we have the Spirit, we're none of His. Um, the sealing of the Spirit. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. That's, these are once for all things that happen by a sovereign God. The earnest of the Spirit that's given. The down payment of the Spirit. The gift, of, the gift and gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are given um, by an act of God as he places us into the body of Christ to fulfill a purpose in the church where we are. Uh, these things are given uh, once for all. They are wrought in us by the Holy Spirit at the time of our conversion. They are irreversible and irrevocable. But the filling of the Spirit is different. It's conditional because it depends on our cooperation with the indwelling Spirit that is given to us at salvation of God. Yes. <laughs> when a Christian is filled with the Spirit, he is transformed into another kind of person. He's not the person he used to be. <laughs> You see, we, well, we'll get to it in a bit. We'll leave that one. <laughs> I know it's, it's coming. It's, it's seen, it's evident. He exhibits the loveliness of the Lord, the fruits of the Spirit that are mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, after the fruits of the flesh, then the fruits of the Spirit are given, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. These things are exhibited where once he was the opposite. And, and his friends say, what has happened to you? <laughs> I've got the Spirit. I've been indwelt. And initially there is that excitement, that, um, you know, gung-ho, go for it and convert the world. And <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> it's a Spirit. There's a new life begun. <laughs> and uh, he's not drinking with his mates anymore. He's not do talking like his mates or to his mates anymore about the same things. He's witnessing to them trying to get them saved. And pe people take knowledge of them that they've been with Jesus. Remember what happened when the Spirit of God came upon the early church and in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, the Sanhedrin and they said, what's happened to these fellows? <laughs> and they took knowledge of them that they have been with Jesus. You see, if we've been with Jesus, <laughs> if we've been meditating and fellowshipping with the Lord Jesus, we're indwelt by the Spirit, we're saved, but if we've been reading his word, meditating on his word and obeying his word, we are filled with the Spirit and there's a change in our behaviour. Just like a drunk has a, a bad change, so a Christian has a good change and people see it. That's being filled with the Spirit. Are we being filled with the Spirit? The Holy Spirit in filling, or filling is not permanent. That's the sad part, isn't it? It wouldn't be great to be filled with the Spirit and just stay that way. We're indwelt. Never lose the spirit. We're eternally secure. But to be infilled is something that depends on us. It's not the same, but similar to the Old Testament covenants with Israel. Some of them were unconditional. That is, God will do this no matter what Israel does. And understanding that unlocks the Bible to us. But there is one covenant, one in particular covenant that God made with Israel, one of the big ones, <laughs> It's the Mosaic Covenant. He said, if you do this, I will do this. I will bless you. I'll drive out your enemies. I'll get rid of the diseases. I will, you know, just grow wonderful things will happen. But if you obey and disobey, or if you disobey, sorry, you'll 
be put out of the land, your enemies will encroach on your territory, take over your country, take over your houses, take over your wives and, and kill you and drive you out and there'll be diseases of all sorts. There'll be plo- plagues of lo- locusts and, and hornets and, and, <laughs> and droughts and famines. And uh, Does that sound familiar? <laughs> when we go away from God. You see, they, if they obeyed, would be filled with the power of God to live as a nation for God. They had God's presence. He was in the tabernacle. But they needed to obey. And that was a conditional covenant. If you, I will. If you don't, I won't. That's it. And in the Christian's life, it's like that. We live a life for God according to that we we choose. Really, it's our choice. How useful we are. Our committed depends on how committed and dedicated we are for God and how much we will be filled. You see, if we labour in the flesh to build a house, we labour in vain. But if we labour with the Holy Spirit doing the work through us that makes us like not the person we, were, we used to be, then there's a powerful work done. You know, and, and look at David, though he, he went off in the flesh sometimes, he was a man after God's own heart. He, he just wanted what God wanted and that was it for the whole kingdom and his family. But it, when he went off, he went off big time. He, it was one of those, when he went bad, he went bad big and, and quick. When he came back, he came back and he's repentant. So <clears throat> being th- this word here, and be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be ye being filled with the Spirit is the way it could be put. Be ye being filled constantly, constantly, constantly. You're going along life's road tomorrow, today. Well, today's gone. (laughs) Tomorrow, tonight, a thought comes into your mind that's wrong, sinful. You 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 can get rid of that straight away. Don't think about it. But you can think about it, meditate on it and, and build the sin. You've just grieved the Holy Spirit. You've just quenched the Holy Spirit. What do you need to do? First John chapter 1. Confess that as a sin. Get right back with the Lord. Stay in contact, in close contact with the Lord. <clears throat> Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. We need to confess and get right with the Lord straight away. Now, how can we receive and maintain the process of continual feeling? That's God's will for each of us. We just talked about God's will in verse 17. And God's will is be filled with the Spirit. The next verse. We looked at God's will for the whole of last time. That's about almost a month ago when we had prayer meeting. First of all, we determine by God's grace that we'll have Jesus Christ as Lord of our life. We say, I will commit. I will dedicate myself. And it depends on the degree of the commitment and the dedication, and the Lord knows our heart, as the degree of blessing and filling. And that's up to us. And this one's up to us. Um, <clears throat> and uh, to, for, the, for us to let the Lord work through us. Secondly, we endeavour to be filled with his word. Colossians 3.16 tells us, Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. And as the, see, the spirit of God uses the word of God <laughs> that's dwelling in us richly to bring forth the fruit. Much fruit in the Christian's life. Thirdly, how can we 
receive and maintain the process of continual filling, we thirdly, we then begin, as we obey, being filled with the Spirit. As we begin to read the Word of God, the Spirit of God brings divine truth to our attention. There's a promise to claim, a sin to confess and avoid, a command to obey. There's something he brings to us in our devotions, in our reading, in our meditating and memorizing. <clears throat> and it's, it's to obey, it's to follow the Lord, it's to get rid of that sin. It's something that we didn't realize before and we wake up to it. It's the Spirit of God. You know those little jolts you get in your Christian life? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> because we've established the basic premise that Jesus is Lord... We say, yes, Lord. Hey, where's a verse that tells us that this is the case? Is there chapters given to this? There are. Romans chapter 6 is given to this. Yield ye your members to him. Constantly yielding. Now, when we sin, we yield to the flesh. When we sanctify ourselves, we yield to the Lord. <coughs> um, Romans 12.1. Present your bodies as living sacrifices. First um, Corinthians chapter six verse nineteen and twenty. What? No, you're not. You're not your own. You're brought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies, which are not yours. See, we recognise that fact and say, "Yes, Lord, I want to be filled with the Spirit." We yield on whatever issue the Word of God through His Spirit speaks to us and brings to our attention. And as we yield, He fills us, and we receive the power to turn that teaching into a practical reality in our Christian life. This is growing as a Christian, isn't it? How do you grow? Just continually yield. How do you become like the Lord? From newborn babes in Christ to being mature people, reading the scripture, obeying the scripture, listening to the word of God as it comes forth. And this, as this process continues, the spirit enlarges our horizons increases our capacity to understand more scripture the more you learn the more is added to the the, the bulk of your learning it's um, it's like you start a job you just you're the new apprentice or whatever and you you learn a bit about this you learn a bit about this now oh, you can put them things together and then you learn some more and it and it, it builds and builds in your knowledge of and being able to be skilled at the job christians we be, we become filled with the spirit and skilled at the living of a christian life uh, <clears throat> So it increases our capacity, deepens our spirituality and enlarges us to grow or enables us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Sin or self can short-circuit this process, but we can get back with the Lord immediately upon recognising the problem and confessing it. A person filled with the Spirit one moment can be filled with the flesh the next moment, you know. <clears throat> Matthew 16, now this is before Pentecost, so I'll just say that before I say it. Peter's an example. Who do people say that I am, asked the Lord Jesus. And what was Peter's reply? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 13 to 23. <clears throat> then he said, when the Lord said, I'm going to die... Be it far from you, Lord. You're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and the Lord said, get there behind me, Satan. <laughs> That's how quick it can happen. <laughs> and sometimes it's because of pride. Well, I know the answer to that one too. You're not going to die. <laughs> I gave the right answer. It must be the right answer. Ah, But you're not being filled with the Spirit. 
<clears throat> you don't know the word of God. You don't know Isaiah 53, Peter. <clears throat> Such is human nature, isn't it? Who, who here amongst us never falls into sin? Whoever who never listens to the flesh? We all have to say we do, don't we? <laughs> and we fail, and we fail the Lord miserably at times. But we can get back and going for the Lord. <laughs> Be ye being filled. When we lose the infilling of the Spirit, we need a fresh filling of the Spirit. The way back is the way of the cross, which Peter was so vehemently denying there on that occasion. We must come back in repentance and with confession to the gracious Spirit of God as he pardons and gives us a fresh start again. <clears throat> Now, we can lose the feeling, but we cannot lose the indwelling. Isn't that right? I pray that you understand that. Um, <clears throat> when the truth about the feeling of the Spirit is first revealed to us as Christians, and we might, you know, if you're not in a church to teach us some of these things, and we don't get on, it, on the case many times, you can go on for donkey's ages without knowing what's going on. You know, I think we need to maybe emphasise this more. We probably don't because of the excesses of the charismatic movement. <clears throat> but when it's first revealed to a believer, it brings us to a time of crisis, you know. What have I done? I've just believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saved. But this is a, this is a big commitment. <laughs> you start realising this is a total change of direction. And it is. Going that way to going that way. <laughs> going to hell, going to heaven. Son of the devil, son of the Lord. A total change. And sometimes there's a crisis. Well, how far do I go? What should I commit? We have to choose whether we're going to yield or and obey the Spirit of God or to disobey. The crisis sometimes coincides with conversion but oft times and more often than not, it happens later, after conversion. And we as Christians should counsel new Christians if we get the opportunity to say this is a serious commitment. We're, if you get saved, it's by faith and it's by believing and it's repenting of your sin. But there is going to be a big change. Your friends are going to drop you. You know, this is, this is for real. And sometimes it happens then, sometimes it comes on later. You know what? I believe some Christians never learn until they go into eternity that this is a commitment. Some just float on through life like it's just so easy to believe. It's called easy believism. And they may be saved. You know what? If, if our First Corinthians 3 tells us it's yet as by fire. They get in there by the what Job says, the skin of their teeth, they get into heaven. But they've never committed themselves. They're never, never dedicated. There's nothing that God does through them because they're not willing to be filled. They're indwelt, but they're not, they're not willing to say no to things and yes to the things that take commitment. And isn't it sad that that happens? Do we have an illustration in the scriptures where this sort of thing is so? We do. We have a very big example of two million people in a desert. You know what I'm talking about, don't you already? Huh. The Jews, they got saved out of Egypt. That's what 
Egypt, it's a picture of the world. They got saved. <laughs> it's, now, I have to be careful of typology here, but they got baptised as I went through the Red Sea. I know. That, that's a picture of that going under and coming out the other side. The Egyptians are saying to do, we're drowned. At that time, they were ready to go right into the promised land. And it was just a few, a few months later, wasn't it, that they were given the opportunity to go and spy out the land. Twelve spies went. They come back with a good report, but said, ten said, we can't do it. That is the person that says in their Christian life, I can't do it. It's too tough. I'm saved, but that's as far as I'm going. I'm not committing. I'm not going to tread out and, and do anything for the Lord. I'm going to please myself and live for me. Yeah, you can, but you know what? You're going to miss out for eternity. I should have preached this in the morning service. <laughs> to get, this is a serious, you know, you folk are serious, you're here at prayer meeting. <laughs> That's what I think. There's a lot of people missing out that need to know that this commitment, this being filled with the Spirit is serious stuff and it's the only way to live the Christian life. And so what happened to that whole generation except for two people and all those under 20? They all died in the desert. They died being unvictorious. They died miserable death. And all the young people were waiting for them to die. Come on, Uncle, die. Please die. <laughs> Come on, Dad, die. Mum, die. Because if you don't die, we're not going to go into promised land. I mean, I hope you don't say that to your parents. But <laughs> Listen, if they're messing around with their Christian life, it's almost better. Move on so that we can move forward because you're holding me back. They couldn't get in there for 40 years. They couldn't go and fight the battle and they could look at the promised land. It's over the hill there. <laughs> but can't go in. He's not dead yet. He was over 20. He was 21. <laughs> and he's not dead yet. There's a sad situation that people who are not filled with the Spirit hold those that want to be and are back in the service of the Lord. It sort of speaks to us. What about me? <laughs> what about me? Am I obedient to what I know from God's word? Because if we keep on resisting and keep on resisting, after a while the spirit says, oh, this is a hopeless case. <laughs> I'm inside this person, but I can't work through them like I wish to. I can't fill them like they could be. They're not doing what they're saved to do. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Then they come to the River Jordan and it's like God had to baptise this new group afresh and he took them down through the Jordan, up into the Promised Land and victory and then defeat, the Christian life. You see, I don't say all our songs almost in, that, in the hymn book because they're written in... In that age, the Philadelphian age, but they were written when they didn't understand prophecy fully and think. But they were written like the river is death, Jordan River is death, and then Canaan is heaven. Nah, nah. Canaan is the victorious Christian because they're still fighting battles in Canaan. You're not fighting battles when you get to heaven. They're still beating the giants up. <laughs> We've done that. We're in when we get to heaven. 
And so they, that's the victorious Christian life. That's being filled with the Spirit. That's taken on the giants that are huge. I just read in his, his bed, he's 13 foot long and 6 foot wide. And there wasn't just one patch of giants in the land. <laughs> there was many of them. Who was the man that wanted that? I want that mountain. I can... Where is that gone out of our songbook? <laughs> I don't know. Someone trashed it. Someone dealt a blow to our songbook some years ago that they just disappeared. I hope it wasn't you, but I'm talking to you. <laughs> but I want... old Caleb said, I want that mountain where the grapes of Vesco grow. Do you know that one too? Yeah, you've had it, had it over. And so, <clears throat> Caleb, and what did it, at 80 or so years old, he was as fit as a fiddle, <laughs> and he went up and fought the giants because he was filled with the Spirit. He had what it took to be committed to the Lord. Lord worked through him. <clears throat> Are we filled with the Spirit? Romans 12, verse 1. Time's up. Present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I never dreamed as a teenager or as a young person that I'd ever be up in front talking to people. You know, you go to in the, in the go to the bank on Monday to pay a bill or go to the get a haircut or whatever you do. What did you do on the weekend? Oh, well, I was very busy. I was preaching all weekend. You're what? <laughs> preaching all weekend. And what did you do during the week? Well, I study. I'm 60-something. I'm still studying. I'm about to retire. I'm still studying. <laughs> because you never stop learning. <laughs> and they sort of go quiet on that when they pick another subject. <laughs> but never thought that the Lord would have me preaching and teaching in the Word. You never know why the Lord takes you. It's something you can't do in the flesh that the Lord will do through you for his glory, you see, as we commit and say, this is yours, this is not mine, and on to eternity we go. And then labour for the Lord, work for his glory. Just commit yourself to him and whatever it is that the the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, Tomorrow, as you read your devotions, ask the Lord to make it stand out. Okay, I need to correct myself here. Something's wrong. Or I'm challenged to do something today that has been on my mind and I haven't done it yet. A phone call or something to someone. Just do it and ask the Lord to fill you to do what he calls you to do on the day. You know, every day is a new day to serve him. There's some thoughts from... And I wanted to, uh, uh, Wearsby's got a, about four, pa- oh, no, Wears- uh, Ryrie, Charles Ryrie has got a bit here and it's well, well outlined, it's only about four pages and it's a good summary of, of what we just talked of tonight. He didn't bring in the, the, the Jews in the wilderness. I've been tempted to preach through that one again, the gripings in the wilderness. Of course you'll gripe. You're a miserable person if you're not. You're Christian and you're not committed. You're a miserable person. You're not doing what you're made for. You're like you're you're like a you're a Mercedes Benz, doing the work of an old um. um what what should I say? What's the car? Tirana. Okay. <laughs> and you're putting along like that. You could be flashing, looking. I mean, it's not about looking good, is it? It's about doing the right thing.